Welcome to the Creation Podcast. I'm Christy Hardy. On this episode, we'll talk with ICR physicist, Dr. Jake Hebert, about the evidence that supports a young solar system. How old is our solar system and why does it matter? Dr. Jake is unpacking some answers for us today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Jake. You're welcome, thanks for having me. First, let's talk about the two worldviews. How does the biblical view of our solar system differ from that of secular scientists? Well, the secular view is that they would argue that you have to explain the origin of the solar system using only the kinds of processes that we see going on today. They would argue that the laws of physics should allow for our solar system to form naturally. We would argue that that's just completely unrealistic. It doesn't work. We see lots of examples of how that doesn't work. And if a naturalistic explanation doesn't work, the only other option is supernatural. And that's what we would argue is that God did, in fact, make our solar system supernaturally sometime within the last 6,000 years or so. And what does each worldview say about the age of the solar system? Well, in the biblical worldview, obviously it's young. It's a young solar system. If you look at the biblical information in the genealogies and the historical documents in the Bible, you get an age of about 6,000 years for both the Earth and the solar system as well as the rest of the universe. Secular scientists, on the other hand, claim that the universe is billions of years old, and their current estimate for the age of the universe itself would be around 14 billion years, a little bit less than that, and they would say that the solar system is around 4.6 billion years old. How does science support recent creation? We really see evidence of youth practically everywhere. There's so many examples. We could talk about a whole lot of different things, but there are a lot of features that we see in the solar system that look young. What evidence is there, for example, for a young sun? There's really two, I guess, arguments, if you will, that the sun is young. One is really just the fact that it can be young. There was a very famous solar astronomer named John Eddy who created sort of a uproar back in 1978 when he said he could live with an age of 6,000 years for the age of this sun and the earth. He said there wasn't much in the way of observational evidence to contradict that. Now, he was an evolutionist and he firmly believed in the millions and billions of years. But he was doing what we creationists have been urging people to do for many years now, and that is to separate their interpretations of the observations from the actual data. And if you just look at the sun, there's nothing about it that requires it to be billions of years old. On the other hand, there is evidence against the idea that it's billions of years old, and it involves something called the young faint sun paradox. And in the secular view, the sun is about four and a half billion years old, but Billions of years ago, it should have been much dimmer than it is today, about 30% dimmer. And because of that, the Earth would have received a lot less sunlight billions of years ago. And that means the Earth would be very cold. In fact, basically, the Earth would be frozen. The oceans would be frozen. And that is a huge problem for secular scientists because, according to most secular scientists, the Earth was warm when life was just supposedly starting to get started and beginning to evolve. So what you have is you have one part of the evolutionary story, the story about how the sun changes over billions of years, contradicting another part of the story about how they think life evolved on Earth billions of years ago. Now, of course, if the sun is just thousands of years old, then you don't have a problem because you don't expect there to be radical changes in the amount of light coming from the sun in just 6,000 years. So this young, faint sun paradox is a problem for secular scientists, but it's not a problem for creation scientists. 
And you will occasionally see reports in the media that they've solved this problem, but every year or so they come out with another report claiming they've solved it again. So that's pretty good evidence that they haven't really solved it. So they're still trying to deal with this because it's a very big problem in their worldview. You've written articles about planets and their magnetic fields. What is a magnetic field? Well, a magnetic field is kind of a distortion in space around a magnet and that causes another magnet to respond to it. We're all familiar with bar magnets and how if you bring a compass needle next to it, that compass needle will line itself up along the field lines of that magnetic field. The idea of a magnetic field is a little bit abstract, but I think we've all got some experience with it just from playing with magnets when we were kids. But as it turns out, all magnetism, even the magnetism in bar magnets, ultimately come from the motion of electric charges. What can magnetic fields tell us about the age of our solar system? We have many bodies in the solar system, moons and planets, that have magnetic fields, but it's hard for secular scientists to explain why. Now, the reason they have such a hard time explaining how these bodies have magnetic fields is because they have to keep the magnetic fields for these bodies going for billions of years. Because they believe the solar system is billions of years old, they need a mechanism to keep the magnetism going that long. Since the magnetism is caused by the movement of electric charges, you somehow got to keep those charges moving for billions of years. And they have a theory. It's called the dynamo theory. They've been working on it for over 100 years. Doesn't work very well. But the bottom line is they think that in order for this dynamo theory to work, you've got to have a molten fluid in the outer core that's moving that can keep those charges moving. Now, the problem is that over billions of years, you expect that body to cool down and to solidify, and you're not going to have that moving fluid anymore. And so, therefore, you can't have a magnetic field. So we have many bodies in the solar system that seem to be so small that they should have cooled off a long time ago and lost their magnetism, yet they still have a magnetic field. And some examples are Mercury, Ganymede, which is one of Jupiter's moons. And there's just lots of examples of that all around. In fact, the Earth's magnetic field is a very good example of that as well. When planets and moons show signs of internal heat and energy, it's always a win for biblical creation. Why is that? The tendency is for these objects to radiate heat and to lose energy over time. And so if you're someone who believes in billions of years, you've got to have some mechanism to keep that heat going for a long time. One source would be radioactivity, okay? Radioactivity can generate a lot of heat. But what we have are a lot of cases where that doesn't really work because of the density of the object and its size. We're pretty sure radioactivity can't really be doing much. And so they're losing, they're losing this energy fairly quickly. And for secular scientists, they have a hard time explaining how you can maintain that energy for billions of years. You know, they've got some ideas that they use. Uh, sometimes they will claim that gravitational forces can squish or compress the crust and maybe heat it up. That's one mechanism they try to use. But a lot of times that just doesn't work. So when we see a body, a particularly a small body that ought to lose its energy very quickly, and it still is very energetic, that is a strong argument for recent creation. What about Pluto? The dwarf planet Pluto is an example of this. Secular scientists were really surprised when the New Horizons spacecraft flew by because they found evidence of geological activity. The problem for them is that geological activity requires energy. Even by their secular reckoning, they concluded that this geological activity was relatively recent. So the problem for them is how does this little tiny dwarf planet 
maintain energy for billions of years to keep those geological processes going. We'll talk more with Dr. Jake in just a moment. But if you'd like to know more about our solar system, let me tell you about ICR's latest DVD series, The Universe, A Journey Through God's Grand Design. It explores how some of the greatest discoveries in astronomy were made by scientists of faith. Get this series today at icr.org store. Did you know ICR is coming to Houston, Texas? January 25th through 26th, we'll have fossil walks, live science presentations, and even a creation program for the kids. You'll also hear from our special guest speaker, NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams. To register, go to icr.org slash Houston 2019. Now, let's continue our discussion about the evidence for a young solar system. Dr. Jake, let's talk about comets. Well, according to secular scientists, comets are sort of leftover debris from the formation of the solar system about four and a half billion years ago. They've been described as dirty snowballs because you have these rocky cores and they have all these ices on them. And when these comets come nearer the sun, the energy from the sun, the radiation from the sun, causes those ices to turn into vapor. And the radiation from the sun blows that back and you get these nice, beautiful tails that we see sometimes in the sky. The problem for secular scientists is that these comets have finite lifetimes because eventually all those ices will have been turned to vapor and you're no longer going to see the comets. So the question for them is, doesn't take that long for a comet to lose all of its icy material, especially when you're looking at something on the scale of billions of years? So it looks like the very fact that we have comets still today is an argument for a young solar system. Now, the secular scientists are aware of this. They would argue that there are these reservoirs out there in space that can resupply the solar system with new comets. And their theories have gotten very complicated over the years, but they really don't work. I mean, just to give you an example, there are different comets and you have to account for all of them. There are these comets that have long orbital periods that take a long time to go around the sun. There's others that take a shorter amount of time. But even the shorter ones, you've got to subdivide those into different categories based on their orbital characteristics. And so you've got to account for all those things. And they have a hard time getting all the pieces to line up. So, for instance, there are comets out there that are similar to Halley's Comet. They have similar orbital characteristics, and they've used one reservoir to try to explain where those comets come from. The first reservoir doesn't work, so they try another reservoir. The second reservoir is this famous Oort cloud that you hear about, and there's no evidence that that one even exists. So they really don't have a good explanation for where we can get new comets. And even though their theory's gotten very complicated, the bottom line is they just don't have a good explanation for how comets can still exist in a solar system that's billions of years old. What about Earth's moon? The moon itself also exhibits a lot of evidence for youth. There's evidence that it has undergone recent geological activity. There are features on the moon called scarps, which are these embankments where, you know, a section of the crust has been lifted up. And they think that's occurring because the crust is shrinking because it's cooling off. Well, there are reasons to believe that's happened in the relatively recent past, but you can find places in the literature where secular scientists used to say dogmatically that the moon had been dead, geologically dead, for the last three billion years. So that's a contradiction with that story. That that doesn't in and of itself tell you how young the moon is, but it does indicate that it's relatively young. 
Another problem for secular scientists is that there's good evidence that the moon used to have a very strong magnetic field, uh, even though today it does not have one. And it's hard enough for secular scientists to explain how the Earth could have a magnetic field over billions of years, but they really have a hard time with the moon. It's even harder for them to explain the existence of a past magnetic field on the moon using their dynamo theory. And so if you can't explain it with the dynamo theory, then pretty much the only game in town is that it's got to be young. We've talked a lot about the age of the solar system. What do you think is the strongest evidence for God's design in our solar system? Well, I think the Earth itself is probably the strongest evidence. You know, if you look at it, it's very obvious it's designed for us. It has abundant liquid water, which really we don't have any evidence that it exists anywhere else in the universe. It's at the right distance from the sun so that we're not too hot, we're not too cold. The moon is at the right distance. It helps keep the oceans circulating so they don't become stagnant. The tides help do that. There's just all these characteristics of the atmosphere that are obviously designed, even the way our eye interacts with the light from the sun and and the light that penetrates the atmosphere, you can really tell its design. And I think that's very strong evidence for design. As Christians, why does it matter how old we think the solar system is? Well, it ultimately gets down to, is the Bible telling the truth about Earth history? And a lot of Christians will say, you know, this is not a big deal. The age of the Earth doesn't matter. It's a side issue. Don't get worked up over it. But, you know, when you really stop and think through the implications, there's huge theological problems with accepting an old universe and an old solar system. And you have this issue of death before sin. If you accept millions of years, you have to believe that these fossils are the remains of creatures that lived hundreds of millions of years ago and died and suffered. I mean, we see evidence of death and suffering in these fossils, even though the man had not committed any sin. I was going to say Adam committed any sin, but if you believe in the millions of years, it's kind of hard to fit Adam in there anyway although a lot of Christians try to do that. But you've got these huge theological problems with that. To me, that's the most important reason as a Christian. But really, scientifically, the evidence for youth in the solar system is particularly strong, probably because we've explored it more than other parts of outer space. And it's practically everywhere you look, you see evidences of youth. It's just all over the place. And so we have very good theological and scientific reasons to affirm a recent creation of our solar system. Why do you love this subject so much? The good news, the reason I get excited about this is that for me, it's exciting to realize that the scientific evidence confirms what the Bible says, that I don't have to go through these gymnastics trying to force this doctrine of an old earth onto the Bible. It's very faith building and reassuring when you realize, hey, what we observe out there is actually confirming what the Bible says. And yeah, I just love this stuff. And I'm just amazed that other Christians don't get as excited about this as I do, because it's just amazing and exciting when you realize, yes, the earth and the solar system, and the universe really are young, just like the Bible says. I think it also makes us bolder in our witness when we're sharing the gospel with people, because we can take those first chapters of Genesis at face value. If you've ever tried to witness to an unbeliever, and you get into the subject of evolution and the age of the earth, you're going to quickly run into trouble if you accept that premise of billions of years, because they're not going to find your arguments very convincing. They may get mad when you say you believe the earth is young, but they're going to have a harder time arguing with you. 
because you're being much more logically consistent by accepting what the Bible says at face value. We live in a young solar system, and both Scripture and science confirm that. Of course, we expect that because God created both nature and He wrote His Word, and so they're not going to contradict one another. Jake, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so encouraging to hear about all of the evidence in our solar system that demonstrates God's design and confirms biblical creation. And thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like ICR to answer your creation questions on future episodes, send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ICR Science. Remember to subscribe to the Creation Podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. Join ICR next time for another episode of the Creation Podcast.